Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey guys, it's Vlad Harris here on the Panther Rants podcast. It's um, Monday, back to work, back to reality for pretty much a lot of us, unless you're on vacation, of course, still. Me, not so much. I guess normally I work banker's hours, 9 to 5, but I'm going in extra early today to take care of some things. Hopefully gotten, hopefully got early too. But, uh, you know, yeah, weekend wasn't too bad. I saw, you know, took the kids yesterday to see Hotel Transylvania 3. It was actually a pretty funny movie and I forgot that Adam Sandler's in it. So Adam just keeps adding on to his uh, resume. But I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think uh, Happy Mass and uh, was this is their film, but you know, Am Sandler just does the movies and cartoons, obviously. I mean, it's amazing how to see how those a lot of those how a lot of those SNL guys their their careers went. I mean, especially that class that was you know that was like with, with David Spade, Am Sandler. Uh, Rob Schneider, Dana Carvey, and who's the last? Mike Myers. Yep. And of course, you had Tim Middles. You had Chris Rock. I mean, it was a frigging that was a star-studded lineup. I mean, and supposedly that they weren't really uh, well thought of when they you know when they first came in. But there was also, um, uh, who was the guy? Shoot. Was it Hartman? Yeah, Phil Hartman. And obviously, and of course, um, Chris Farley as well. It's, it's amazing. How, I, I, I mentioned those two last. Considering, um, if I remember correctly, well, actually, well, not remember correctly, but they're both dead. Uh, actually, and it was weird because I think they died around the same same uh, time period. You know, Farley died later in '97, which was a shocker. I remember I was I was a se- I was a freshman actually at uh, I was just starting my freshman year at Penn State McKeesport, which is now Penn State Greater like quote unquote Greater Allegheny. I remember I was listening to Stern when uh, they, they announced um, Farley's death. And same with, uh, what was it? Hart, um, yeah, Phil Hartman as well. I was driving to work as well, and uh, they announced his. But if I remember correctly with, with him, I think his wife killed him, I think. You know, Farley was an overdose, and 
We all knew Farley was a big uh, partier. I mean, fun-loving guy. I love the party, but... Towards the end, you can see it was taking its toll on him. He just... Uh, the guy was always heavy, but... You know, when you... I mean, when, you, when, you, when you're heavy and you have a beer gut, you at least work out and you try to manage it. You know you're never going to get a six-pack or whatever, but you at least, you know, you maintain it. And... Probably just, you know, at that point, he just looked like he just didn't give a, give a rat's ass at that point. But yeah, I remember this. Yeah, but I mean, that whole lineup was freaking packed. I mean, you could probably throw in Kevin Neal, and he's had some roles here and there. But I mean, it's amazing how it goes. I mean, you know, Carvey, he, he did Wayne's World, but that was in a lot of call me specials, but that was about it. I'm sure he's done more, but I just don't have to feel like looking at my MDB right now. But, of course, you know, Michael Myers obviously had Austin Powers, you know, and uh, Shrek. Chris Rock did a whole bunch of movies. Tim Mills did uh, Ladies' Man, of course. He found his niche. You know, David Spade's done a whole bunch of stuff, and... Am Sailor, he's done movies. He's done, you know, he's done a whole bunch of crap. I remember one guy saying that David, you know, that Am Sailor was a Ponzi scheme because he could put out shitty movies and still rack them in the box office, no matter how bad the movie was. But um, anyway, I guess we can get off of that subject. Um, Pit, uh, Pit football, land another commitment. Uh, AJ Woods from Maryland commits a three-star he's a defensive back you know he's about 5'11 175 I guess is what they said so pretty much you know that's your standard size for a defensive back usually you know in that range at least a high range but uh he was coming at the James Madison he flipped the pit and He had one P5 offer and was Virginia, other, other than Pitt, it was Virginia. So, Pitt obviously likes him for his speed. You know, of course, he can play special teams, so. I'm not sure where he ends up, you know, when he comes here in his four years. Chances are they're probably going to put him on special teams and. Who knows, maybe he could be in our Quadra Henderson. Either that or an Aaron Smith, but Aaron Smith, of course, well, Aaron Smith couldn't return punts. He could just fill them. That was it. I think at that time with Wanstead, that's what he, all he really wanted was to make sure nobody fumbled the, you know, muffed the punt. Or unless he was doing it to um, make Terry Smith happy so Terry could keep pushing those gateway kids to him. Yeah, which didn't work out which didn't work after a while at the end. So as far as this guy goes, and of course people are gonna scream in his offer sheet. But if anything he could be a late bloomer. He could be one overlooked. I mean three star 
uh, players are, are mixed bag. They're either going to be really good for you or just really bad. You know, there's always something, you know, mysterious about the three-star player. Where he should have been a five-star or a four-star. Some, something, you know, didn't happen. Or he's just, you know, people, they don't know how he's going to go, so just give him three stars. So, hey, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, it's like the mystery sucker in the uh, bag of dum-dums. You know, you're either going to get, you may get your cherry, your watermelon, you know, a really good flavor there. But sometimes with the mystery sucker, you may get something shitty like, um, I don't know, uh, butterscotch. Yeah, butterscotch. There you go. Although, you know, for me, I mean, when it comes to candy, I mean, my kids always pick out the red and strawberry starburst and just leave the, discard the orange and yellow. And it's kind of disappointing to me. I mean, to be honest, I think, I think the, I think the yellow starburst, you know, the lemon, they're very underrated as a, as a, as, you know, in that, 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 the. Uh, how should I say? I guess the list of uh, flavors for Starburst, the original Starburst, I should say. I was gonna say the hierarchy. Because um, you know you like the cherry and the strawberry, obviously, but then there's the uh, orange and yellow. Yellow is always gonna be last, and I think yellow it's it's wrong. I mean, yellow should be higher than that. It's actually, you know, yellow is that, you know, yellow is actually really good. I don't know why people knock it so bad. But getting back on topic, you know, Pitt's got 15 guys on in their class now. They're kicking ass. I mean, you could say it's been a really good summer. Plus, this kid's been camping as well at Pitt. So, obviously, Pitt's got a, a closer, got a closer look at him, which is cool, don't mind my turn signal, guys, click, 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 but, um, you know, if they like it, I dig it, I guess while we're staying on the pit topic, I guess, uh, there was some, uh, clickbait yesterday with, uh, Steven Adams, I guess he's, he's working on his book, And I guess there's some excerpt about Pith where he went and obviously was miserable there and couldn't wait to get out of Pith. And now, you know, people are saying, well, I guess something happened there. Obviously, he didn't think too well about the whole you know, whole Pith thing. And I get it because it was during the Dixon era and that it was even uh, Stephen came at a time when there was a mass, there was kind of a mass exodus of players leaving the, the pit program. You know, Ken Birch was the first ball to drop, and he, I guess, Adams was supposed to be in that class with him and then come back to the next year. And there was talk, supposed that Adams not even coming at all. But he came for one year. But yeah, Birch was the first ball to drop, and of course, we had but two Philly players leave. 
or I think it was one, I forget. Uh, well, at least one John Johnson. I think he left, but that I think that was due to other reasons. And of course, there was you know, a few. I think a few other players left as well. I mean, at least one or two more. I remember. Yeah, it was just a bad. You know, that was just a bad period for pit hoops, and Jamie pretty much lost an entire recruiting class, and. That's never a fun thing when you do that, and then of course you have to, you have to put players in. And Jamie's recruiting by the end was kind of lacking, and he had to pretty much <laughs> take warm bodies and put them in. And that's the thing, Jamie always had aces, you know, really good assistance guys who can bring players in. And it was obviously starting to dry up, and well, he kept. He kept the um, let's just say the um, he kept the uh, the leaks the leaks in the boat until a minimum so he can get off on the next one and leave it for the next captain. So yeah, here you go. It's like it's you know, it's like me and my car. I mean, transmission was going. I kept it going enough to hand it to the dealer so he can screw somebody else with it. But I mean, if you read the excerpt about Stephen Adams. I mean, really, obviously people are going to say, he obviously, he couldn't wait to get a pit. I get it. But I don't think he, I don't think he really elaborates. Maybe he will in the book about the whole, about the whole situation where he was in. And about the coaching staff and stuff like that. I don't think he's really elaborate right later on, you know, to, you know, maybe he'll elaborate in the book, but he's never really elaborated in um, interviews and stuff like that. Maybe because maybe because he's not much of a dick as most are, would be. But I think with him, it's more, he left another country in South America, obviously. He comes all the way up to the northeast where it's cold and snow there's hills and there's bike lanes ugh I can understand why he couldn't stand it here why I couldn't stand you know being, being where he was at you know the cold and the snow and those damn bike lanes shit and those hills too Walking up cardiac hill just to go, you know, do your practice. But it's funny. When I worked in Children's Hospital back in, you know, before, you know, it moved. I would see a lot of those players. What they would do is they would go inside Children's Hospital. They would hop on the silver elevators. And they would go up to, I think, three. Yeah, they would, they would go up to three. And if the third floor of that building... Which was the main, I guess, which was, I guess, yeah, they would go for, yeah. That silver elevator was between the Soto Wing and the main wing. The Soto Wing of the Children's Hospital was the old hospital, the original. The main was the newer one, the more modern. So they what they would do is, it was, so the silver elevators was in the middle between both. And they would, yeah, they would, they would take the silvers to three. And they would walk out of main 
and they would walk, you know, they would prematurely would be on top of the top of the hill already. So they wouldn't do much walking. But for, for, for others, they would have um, crossed over to, you know, the Presbyterian Cup there. And, yep, that's what they would do. Because I would see, I would always see some of the players there. I saw DeWan Blair there after the tournament, you know, after they won the biggest tournament. And, you know, I talked to him for a bit. And he said it was great to win the tournament because everybody counted them out. But, yeah, I remember shaking his hand. And I remember his hand being three times the size of mine. I mean, the guy probably could have played uh, football if he wanted to. And of course, I saw some of the, uh, yeah, some of the females there as well, and some of them looked really, really nice. Actually, all of them did. But yeah, Stephen had all that to deal with. But of course, yeah, I think by the time when he was there, the Children's Hospital moved, so I'm not sure where he may have had to walk up that giant hill. But yeah, I mean, he's far away from his family, of course. He's dealing with that. And of course, I'm not sure what Pitt Basketball could have done for him at that point to make him feel welcomed. I mean, I'm sure they... I'm sure they tried. And I'm sure the, uh, you know, the players did as well, the teammates. So I really wouldn't, put too, I wouldn't really read too much in the, you know... Into the whole spectrum that Pitt was to blame for all this, why he was miserable, because that's what some people are do, are doing. But if you just read the context, it's more culture shock than anything else. And you know, obviously, his goal was to go to the pros. And for one thing, he had to leave before he pretty much hated basketball at that point, and you know, his love for it was gone. So. I don't see that anything, I don't, I don't see that being, you know, Pitt's problem. I think it was more him. He wanted to get, he wanted to go to the NBA, but of course he went to, he had to do that one and done thing with, with, with college and obviously he hated it and and yeah, it was probably, in the end, I think, you know, he would have developed into a decent player, Pitt. But obviously, you know, but going pro, he was going to get a lot better coaching because he, you know, he obviously was very raw and he was going to have the coaches there that were get, that were going to get him where he needed to be. Because right now, I mean, he's, if you look at him now, he's light years from what he was. I mean, definitely light years. I mean, plus the guy is just a, per- I mean, not to mention that the guy, it's not so much his, his skills, his basketball skills. His personality has grown too. You know, that's you know, obviously comes with the maturity and everything. I mean, the guy, just how he talks and how he interacts with people now. I mean, you, you see it, you see the videos, stuff that he does. I mean, yeah, he, the, guy, the guy has definitely really, really grown. So... Kudos to him. Alright, we'll finish up here. I mean, I got probably another minute or so, but 
Spre- I guess uh, my um, my host uh, Spreaker obviously is is um, they're giving me the uh, ability to inject ads into my podcast, and I guess supposedly it's part of the revenue sharing thing that they want to do. And I guess I, I, I guess for every ad you listen to, I guess I get some sort of I guess money for it. And you know, I, I was I was tempted to do it and sign up and. But I haven't really thought about it yet. I, um, for one thing, my podcasts are 20, 25 minutes long. And I really don't want a whole bunch of freaking ads polluting a 20 minute podcast. I could deal with one or two, but I would love, the thing is, the thing is, if I want to put ads in my podcast, I want them, I want them to be, I want them to be freaking useful. I want to pick them out. You know, if you want, I mean, if you want to boost your testosterone or gain one to three inches, I can, I, I would love to, you know, put ads for you guys there to give, to give you those resources to do that. Or, you know, if you need tax advice or whatever, or, you know, you need that, or, or a loan or free finance, you know, useful stuff, or maybe, or maybe, you know, local ads or something, best place to buy bacon or something or online, you know, I want, I want, I want, I want something, some ads are going to be useful, not something you're be like, what the fuck is this kind of ad for, then it's, then for me, is it really worth it, is it really worth having ads, I mean, am I going to really not make anything off of this, I mean, if I did, I would, I don't know, if I made like, you know, something off of it, I probably would like to go back to my listeners, maybe do like a, do like a pick them where like a, you know, and use that money for like a pick them or something or a, um, March Madness pool. I like to at least give back to my listeners cause they're, uh, having to fucking, uh, listen through it, you know, you're doing all the work to listen through the, through this. Why not, uh, you know, do a March Madness bracket or something. And you know, no cost to do it, and then, then you know whatever money I, I get from the uh, the you know, from the from the ad clicks or whatever, you guys you know, you guys can have an opportunity to win it. So, just things, just something I'm thinking about. I may uh, test uh, test a few ads to see how much exactly money I'm money I'd be generating, and if it's really not worth it, I'm just gonna dump the whole thing because it's stupid. But, um, yeah, there's that, that little talking point, and of course, you know, I saw, um, what was it, um, obviously Dak Prescott is, uh, talking about the anthem and how they're gonna stand, and he, I guess, what's, I mean, just an observation, what I find funny about all this is, I guess he elaborated on what he was talking about, I guess there's, I guess there's, there's a quote, I guess, that's being published, about what Dak said, and obviously there was more to what he said, but of course there's that one quote that everyone's taking out of it. You got one side saying, oh, see, he loves America. He respects the anthem and the flag. He loves America, and he is a good man. Then you got the other side who were taking a quote and saying, he hates America. He sucks. He's an asshole. 
He loves Trump. So, good luck to Dak on that one. Because that's the thing about this whole flag and politicizing of sports is it goes both ways. Both sides are doing it. And it's funny to hear, you know, one side accuse the other side of doing it when the other side's doing it as well. So, pretty soon, you know, pretty soon Penny Candy will be politicized, of course. You know, if ever goes up to two cents, you know, tariffs will get blamed or Obamacare get blamed. It'll be one or the other. Oh, well, guys. Enjoy your Monday. Hell to pit. Bye. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.